You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 creedmoor the 280 ackley improved the 28 nosler the 7 millimeter remington mag 30-06 and the 300 win mag if you want to find more information about the terminal ascent visit federalpremium.com and while you're there check out it's federal season the official podcast of federal ammunition Happy hump day, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. Today, we have another awesome episode. We're going to be talking with Ian Eckerstorfer from Alaska, right? He's born and raised in Wisconsin, kind of has moved all over the country with his wife being in the military, and he has recently landed in Alaska. And although I'm a little bit jealous of him from where for where he's living, this is a pretty cool episode because he walks into Alaska. I mean, him and his wife, they move up there, and obviously he's excited because now he gets to hunt a whole bunch of different animals that they don't have in Wisconsin, like caribou. He can hunt grizzly bears. He can hunt uh, black bears. He can hunt uh, moose. And then there's a whole bunch of other animals he can hunt there as well. So he walks in to Alaska and goes on a caribou hunt, strikes out. A really big learning curve there. Then about 25 minutes from his back door, he ends up harvesting a gigantic bull moose. And this is that story. This is the story of how he ends up in Alaska, the preparation, the logistics, the new way he has to learn how to hunt in Alaska. And uh, again, this is that story, man. Really, really awesome uh, episode. I think you guys are going to like it, especially if you like the, uh, you know, the adventure type bow hunting. And uh, I mean, I, I get geeked out because someday I am going to be doing some hunts like that i mean i'm turning 40 so it's time to start making some moves and some pretty big moves uh i'll probably start sacrificing some whitetail time in order to get to some of these bigger 
more extravagant hunts that I want to go on like elk and high country mule deer and anything out west you know long drives right I want to take care of that soon before I get too old I regret it and I start saying things like man I wish I would have done that so yes awesome episode but before we get into today's episode I want to talk a little bit about Vortex Optics man they have some really cool things coming out they have a new range finder I have a package sitting in my room that I can't talk about yet because it's brand new, but uh, it's also kick-ass. They have a complete line of rifle scopes, spotting scopes, range finders, binoculars, red dots, and the best thing about this company is their VIP warranty, and their VIP warranty is this. If you break it on accident, or on purpose or whatever you send it into them and they send it back I, I love their website because they show an example of a pair of binoculars that had been chewed on by a bear the guy sent sent it in and they send him a a what looks like a new set of binoculars right if they can't fix it they'll send you a, a new pair back but they can typically fix it. I've had to take care, I've had to use that warranty multiple times. So if you want to take a look at all the optics that Vortex offers, visit vortexoptics.com. Lastly, I just want to do some housekeeping here. Please go to iTunes and subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles or any of the other uh, podcasts on the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network. Uh, all you have to do is type in Sportsman's Nation and everything that is on the Sportsman's Nation will pop up. Whether you want the whitetail feed or the big game feed so you can listen to all of the podcasts or just an individual podcast here and there. It's it's really simple. Just search Sportsman's Nation and that's S-P-O-R-T-S-M-E-N-S-N-A-T-I-O-N, Sportsman's Nation. And that is also the website, sportsmansnation.com. If you don't want to subscribe, you can go there and you can pick any of the podcasts. I mean, we've done thousands of podcasts by now, and uh, I'm pretty jacked about not only the content that we're putting out, but where the company is going. So other than that, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram and Facebook and even on Go Wild. Uh, If you guys haven't uh, been or used the Go Wild app, uh, visit timetogowild.com. Kind of a tutorial there. And I think uh, that's enough. I'm going to stop talking and let's get into today's podcast. In three, two, one. All right. On the phone with me now, Mr. Ian Eckerstorfer. How you doing, man? Doing good, Dan. How are you doing? Did I nail the name? You nailed it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Only took about 10, 10 tries before. <laughs> I know. Uh, just kind of a, a quick update to those who are listening. I had to say his name like 30 times before we started recording just so I could get it right until finally I had to uh, write it out, you know, spelled wrong. What's that? What's that called? Uh, when you spell something wrong, but pronounce it right, whatever that's called. Uh I forget. Anyway, so this is this is your uh, second time on the podcast, correct? Yep, second time. All right. So I want you to give everybody a little uh, like a introduction of your your job title, not necessarily your job title, but 
you kind of follow your wife around the the country because she's active duty. So give us a little insight into all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last time I was on the podcast, we were stationed in uh, Norfolk, Virginia. My wife was in her uh, residency uh, to be an OBGYN with the Air Force. And I kind of prefaced and hoped in, in the first podcast that, you know, Alaska was on the list of possibilities. So uh, we put it as our first choice and uh, we got it. So I found out we were coming up to Alaska here at, at J-Bear and I had missed the draw for Alaska. So uh, we came on up and uh, I've just kind of been thrown into the Alaska hunting and fishing scene. And uh, the first fall kind of turned out pretty good with a 56 inch bull moose. Wow. Wow. So you kind of just jumped right into the, the hunting side of things, but I got, I have a, I have a couple questions like leading up to that. Um, Alaska is a long way from home. And when I say home, your home is Wisconsin, correct? I mean, that's where you were born yep. and raised. All right. And where, born and raised. where was your wife born and raised? Same thing. Yeah, we met an undergrad in Milwaukee. Okay, so you guys are both from Wisconsin. Uh, you bounced a, uh, around the country. Uh, why? Why did you guys decide to go to Alaska? So we, uh, she always wanted to travel internationally with the military, and uh, and then she married me, and uh, I said, you know, if we go to Japan or England or any other places, I won't really be able to hunt and fish. So uh, she settled on Alaska. She had been here uh, as a kid, as a tourist, and, and loved it. And I kind of talked her into it. The, the first for residency, she kind of got first pick. So uh, she chose Virginia. That's where she wanted to go. So this time around when we, we came up for orders, uh, I got first picks, and Alaska was, was top of the list. Wow. So um, why Alaska? Uh, moose, caribou, bison, <laughs> dog sheep, mountain goat. Black bear, grizzly bear, brown bear, Sitka blacktail, uh, the hunting up here, and the amount of tags that you can draw. I probably didn't even list them all. Right. It is phenomenal. Right. I think I heard the, the, the number 54. A resident has access to 54 tags throughout an entire season. Yep, yep. If you really wanted to hunt that much, you could. Yeah. And I know there's some guys that, that probably do it. <laughs> right, right. So... All right, so you guys pack up, you leave for, you know, you you get the orders, you get you get Alaska, uh, you know you're going there. Uh, what was the plan? Did you, did you guys know what you were getting into? How much research did you guys have to do before you just up and, and move to Alaska? So she did a, a, a flight up here to, to house hunt with her dad. I was still working at, um, back in Virginia, so I couldn't take any time off. And uh, she flew up, found a house. And the day that we started, uh, we found out that we had orders. Uh, I started researching hunting. And like I mentioned, I had missed the draw. So it was all going to be my first fall over the counter, whatever tag I can get to, and uh, whatever hunts. I kind of focused on areas I could drive because I still haven't really dialed in the transporting system with flying in for hunts. So the hunts that I planned this first fall were areas I could drive to a trailhead or access right off the road with my rifle or bow and uh and get hunting i mean even before that i mean is it is it's not just like moving to a a town you know a town 100 miles away right this is a ordeal this is semi trucks 
pack all your stuff in. It's probably not just you filling a couple trucks and a horse trailer up with your possessions. I mean, this is a big, I mean, outside of the hunting, what, what kind of, uh, things did you have to do to prepare for a move like that? Being on active duty, we're very fortunate that the military will come and load up all of our gear and all of our personal possessions and move it for us. Okay. So all we had to focus on was getting up to Alaska. So we chose to sell my truck in Virginia, take her car, and do a 10-day drive. If we would have driven it straight from Virginia to Alaska, it would have been 82 hours driving. Okay. So uh, we decided to do a, a cross-continent tour. We spent a week back home in Wisconsin, and then we did a, a 10-day trip. Um, from Wisconsin through South Dakota, through the Black Hills, through Glacier National Park. We went to Banff and Jasper in Canada and then drove the Alaska Highway from uh, Dawson Creek all the way up to uh, Anchorage. Okay, so let's talk about that. What were some of your favorite uh, moments along that road trip? The going to the Sun uh, Highway and and Glacier is is amazing. Uh, It's pretty much uh, a road carved right out the side of the mountain and it's straight up sheer cliffs and straight down. And you're kind of just driving around a valley midway up the mountain. Yeah. Is I I've seen pictures of it. It's definitely a place I want to visit on my bucket list. Um, but, uh, just, you know, everybody wants to, everybody I talk to who's outdoorsy wants to hit some of these national parks and definitely glacier is one of them. What other than, you know, that particular road with that particular view, was there anything else along the, because I've been out west, but I've never, and I've even been to the northwest of the lower 48, but that I've never, I've never driven that highway or have seen the views, just pictures, you know, right along the Pacific Ocean going right up the, the way towards Alaska. What's that drive like? It's incredible. I mean, the Canadian Rockies, we, we did a hike in, in Jasper. That was a thousand feet elevation to one of the original tea houses. And we had tea on a a mountain lake that was stocked with brook trout and the brook trout were eating insects off the surface. And we're at this tea house that's a hundred years old and there's thousands of miles of trails that you can hike out there. And we walked within two feet of, of wild mule deer on some of our hikes and they, they were used to people hiking. So uh, it was incredible being out there and, it just makes you feel real small yeah. <laughs> being out in some of these mountain ranges from, from, from even compared to the, the Appalachian in Virginia that we, I would drive through on the way back from Virginia to Wisconsin. When, when the Rockies are a completely different, different animal and the Canadian Rockies even more. So I, I had done a Wyoming elk hunt horseback hunt before we got orders up here and, and the mountains there were awesome, but the Canadian Rockies and, and some of these mountain ranges up here in Alaska are just breathtaking. Ridiculous 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 so you're you take 10 days to to drive up to alaska like what i just out of curiosity what's the real estate market like in anchorage i mean is it comparable to the lower 48 obviously you're going to have small town community like where i live in iowa where the real estate market i guess you would say is on the lower end compared you know the price for an average home compared to let's say Chicago or New York where it is really expensive to live. So what, what's, what's the cost of living like up in Alaska? 
Yeah, I would compare this to like your average Midwest town. So I would think that the real estate market up here is real similar to that of, of Milwaukee back home. A, a nice house is going to be anywhere between 275 to 400,000. We're renting right now. We're trying to get these orders extended as long as possible while we're up here. And, and uh, I, I kind of want to stay as long as we can. <laughs> right. So this is this is a I mean, this is a big commitment. How many years are you guys planning on staying up there? Like, is this where you guys yep. want to settle? Yeah, so uh, I, we still, we go like every week. We kind of go back and forth. Like, do we want to move back home? Do we want to stay up here? I'm fortunate. I have a great job up here. I love being up here. But all our friends and all our family uh, is back home in Wisconsin. So yeah. we juggle it back and forth. So her orders are for three. We put in for an extension for for three more, and then she would only owe one more for her commitment. So if we could do a full seven. Uh, here while she's active duty in, in Alaska, that would be the dream. And that would make up for my five plus years on the East coast where I suffered. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, your wife has a commitment. She signed a contract or something to work for the military then. Yeah. Yeah. So she did her medical school, uh, with the military. So in return for them, giving her that education, she has to be a, a practicing physician for them for so many years. And her commitment just happens to be seven. I gotcha. All right, cool. All right. So you get up there and like you said, uh, just the time of year, the, the draw for all these tags for a resident is, is past it's gone. Right. So, yep. Yep. so now you're into the general over the counter type tags. What kind of research did you do before you even got up yep. there? It was a, a deep dive because it's not just like your regular Wisconsin where you get a general season whitetail tag, right? You buy your whitetail tag, you get X number of doe tags for the county you're going to hunt in and your one buck tag. There's 26 different game management units up here, and then each ma game management unit has different subunits, and each subunit has different weapon restrictions or hunting types and draw tags. So it's, it's like learning a foreign language, but uh, it, it took me quite some time. And uh, I, I, can, I can break it down a little bit further. Alaska has general season tags. They have registration hunts where they give out X amount of tags. And once a quota is met for that registration hunt, they send out an emergency order and close it. There's draw tags where you put in like you would for a, a Western big game hunt where there's X amount of permits and you put your chances in to draw a tag. And then there's a tier one and tier two, and those are for um, subsistence hunting. Um, since I'm not a resident yet, I will be in a month, um, I don't qualify for the Tier 1 or Tier 2 tags. So I looked at general season tags and uh, registration hunts. That was my focus. And I started from the Anchorage area and started working my way out so I could stay close to home because I still didn't have a job when I was doing all this. I was leaving a, a pretty solid job in Virginia to come up here. And the job market in Alaska is, is not the best, so I, uh, I was planning on staying close to home. Okay. With that said, then, um, your first fall, it was as a non-resident? Yep. Okay. So uh, the other nice thing about being military is Alaska does something, which, which is what Virginia does, too. They offer resident prices to military and their dependents. So I moved up here, and from day one, I was paying resident prices, but I didn't qualify for the resident hunt. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I'm starting to think like you married your wife just because of that. <laughs> she had me convinced we were going to Japan, so <laughs> the fact that we're up here, I'm, I'm just living the dream. That's fact. I'm just jabbing at you. I, I think uh, 
man, I tell you what, Alaska has always been a dream of mine. You know, I have a bucket list full of animals too. And, uh, what was the real realization like when you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to have access to moose and caribou and bear and, you know, all these things. Yeah, I'd make fun of guys that cry, but I, I gotta admit, I probably cried at least one or two times when I'm like, it kind of sunk in. Like, I'm literally moving with my wife to Alaska, and I'm gonna live in Alaska for at least three years. It, it was unimaginable, and it's my life, and I'm living it. And uh, I definitely recommend maybe not moving up here full time, but definitely coming up to hunt and fish because this state is just there's endless supply of opportunities for hunting and we haven't even started talking about the fishing that's up here too yeah so when when you when you started doing this research and you started doing the uh the 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 research and looking at the units and the maps and you know trying to find locations that are closer to home what were some of the first animals that came to mind like man i'm going to be able to do this fairly close to my house yeah so uh, i looked at those general season tags and I looked at the registration funds, and then I also started breaking it down by uh, weapon type. So archery tags, archery-only units versus rifle tags. And I found a uh, – so my first hunt was a rifle uh, caribou hunt um, off the Seas Highway north of Fairbanks, and that was an eight-hour drive. And then I also found um, a moose hunt, which was an archery-only, and you need to have an a international archery certification. And the second day we were in Alaska, um, the last certification of the season was happening. So we had moved up here. We still hadn't even unpacked, and I was taking a, a national certification archery course so I could do my moose hunt 20 minutes from my house. Nice. Nice. So your first year was was caribou and moose, right? Moose. Moose. Yep. Okay. Did you apply for any other tags or were there any other over-the-counter tags that you that you had access to that first fall? So I bought a uh, fall black bear tag, and that was more for a, a opportunity. The plan was to hunt uh, black bear this spring, and uh, since I wasn't a resident the uh, and the whole uh, pandemic hit, they canceled my non-resident hunt. Even though I was living up here, I hadn't qualified for it yet, so I had a uh, I had a caribou tag, a moose tag, and a black bear tag. Okay. All right. So you you end up, uh, you know, getting uh, those those tags. What Which animal were you the most excited to hunt? Moose, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That's probably, I don't know, moose, caribou are probably on the top of my bucket list for sure. Uh, okay. So you're up there. And this isn't just like, hey, I'm going to go out in the back 40 and I'm going to I'm going to go shoot a deer and I'm just going to come back. I mean, you're talking about animals that are not only larger in size, but are sometimes deep in this this Alaskan terrain that is absolutely crazy. Did you have to buy any specific gear or do any type of preparation before these hunts to, you know, so you didn't die getting this the, the meat out? If you were if you were successful, hike, yeah, all the hiking we did in the national parks definitely got me in shape. That first hike we did in Glacier, I'm like, I do not know if I'm going to survive in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think we hiked some 20, 30 miles between all three of the the national parks. And when I got up here, I was I was ready to go. I'm like, all right, let's go pack a moose off a mountain. Gotcha. Okay, so you, uh, 
I mean, f- from a physical, you know, physical fit standpoint, you were you were ready. What about the the gear? I mean, was there any additional gear, clothing, backpacks that you needed to that you needed to get in order to make your make your hunts a, a little bit more bearable? Yeah, I learned the hard way on on a frame pack, packing out a moose. I had got a uh, a pack for for elk quarters, and a moose is really freaking big. <laughs> they're they are humongous, especially the bull that I shot. He was not a young young bull at all, six or seven year old is what what the taxidermist said. And and they have metal frame frame packs, and packing out close to body weight. I feel like, I don't know, it was a hell of a pack off the mountain when I did get this bowl. Was is definitely something I recommend if you're going to come up here. It's not just having one of your general elk quarter packs, but an actual steel or metal frame pack for packing out quarters. It just takes so much more weight off your back and makes a world of difference. So basically a, a, heftier, a heftier pack. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. got an internal metal frame built into the pack with straps. All right. So the first the first hunt was the caribou, and the second hunt was the moose, right? Yep. All right. So walk us through this uh, this caribou hunt. Um, what kind of research did you do before that hunt? You, you mentioned it was an eight hour drive from your home. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the terrain that uh, these animals were living in. You know the logistics of it all. Yeah. So uh, I I researched registration caribou hunt and the one with the best road access because like I had just been here two months. I wanted to get out. Uh, when we moved up here, we weren't able to take any venison. So I'm like, I'm going to go and shoot the first first legal bull I see and get some meat in the freezer. So I drove up to the Steve's Highway. It was the 40-mile caribou hunt. And uh, I learned that a lot of people in Alaska use UTVs and ATVs to get after game. Uh, most of the western hunting and, and Alaska hunting you see on, on TV anyway is people are flying in with planes or they're taking boats up there, but they don't show you the, the, how the locals hunt. And uh, I plan to drive to this, this highway, Glass Caribou. Um, it was, it's on the edge of the forest where the forest ends underneath the tundra. So I had found some really nice bulls right off the freeway, uh, right off the freeway. It's, it's a gravel road between Fairbanks and, and Circle Alaska on the steep highway. And I found some really nice bulls right off the road. It was a rifle hunt I was going to pack in. And uh, I got beat to the bulls that first morning. I packed in about a mile and a half. There was a saddle back in the mountains that went up about 1,500 feet of elevation. And just as I'm about to crest the mountain, two guys on UTVs fly up the mountain, cut me off, and shoot the bulls right underneath me. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a feeling now you're kind of thinking, uh, I, need, uh, I need a four-wheeler? Yeah, well... It's not my style, and everyone was telling me like, "Hey, get an ATV," and, and I don't know, it's just is not what I want to do. I'd rather pack in, get up close. I'm I'm ultimately a bow hunter, right? I want to yeah. get close to my game. I don't want to, although I do have a, a pretty cool rifle hunt planned for this year, and I did buy a new rifle. But uh, ultimately, I'm I'm a bow hunter first. Right, right. So I wanted to spot and stock. This was a meat hunt, but I still have, I still don't want to take a 400, 500 yard shot on an animal. I want to be hundred yards, 150 yards, 200 yards with the rifle. Cause I, I still feels like an assassination. Some seeing some guys shoot game at six, 700 yards. It's, that's just not my style. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, right. So you kind of went up there. I mean, have you ever seen a caribou in person before that day? 
outside the Milwaukee County Zoo, no. But on that day, I saw over 600 caribou. Jeez. I watched 10 or 12 get shot. Because So you were watching people in in ATVs just kind of go all over the place. Was this during the migration, or is this is that just how big the the yeah, herd is so, up there? So the way this hunt li- yeah, so the way this hunt lines up, this 40-mile herd is right along the freeway this opening week. So it's like the second week of August. And there's bulls and cows. And the other thing I'll add, too, is as a non-resident, I'm only allowed to shoot a bull. But the locals and all the residents can shoot cows. So I had cows constantly within range of me and uh, I only had a day and a half to get it done and I found bulls right off the get-go but I just didn't hike quick enough if I would have sprinted up the mountain I might have been get there in time to beat the guys on the UTVs uh, but yeah well, I saw six or seven bulls cows get shot all around me and I'll definitely be wearing blaze orange if I hunt that unit ever again <laughs> is it is it doable you think a hunt like that is doable with a bow is there enough terrain what, what's the terrain there like so it, it's steep mountains, but it's open. So you're not hiking through forest. You're not hiking through deadfall. My cousin's flying up, and we're going to do this hunt again, but we're going to do it way different than, than this year. We're going to get up a day, two days early, and we're going to go in 15, 20 miles. We're going to go in and get way off the freeway. We're going to find some bulls, and we're going to have a game plan of what they're going to do. And, and it's almost like a deer drive on public, right, for deer. So you're going to – opening morning gun season, you're going to get as deep as you can into that thick cover – and you're going to wait for those guys coming in off the edges to bump them to you. The same thing. We're going to get real deep. We're going to wait for those guys on UTVs to start pushing caribou back in. And we're going to be there waiting for them. I gotcha. Okay. That's the goal for next year. Um, so how did the rest of that hunt play out then? The caribou got pushed off the freeway. I had no time to scout. I did a lot of e-scouting. My backup plans and backup plans all turned into UTV and ATV camps. And uh, as I saw a lot of cows the couple, next couple days, but uh, that hunt was pretty much shot, and I got a, a awakening of what road hunting in Alaska is really like. I got gotcha. you. All right. So throughout this time, I mean, you're packing in, right, from your truck. There are grizzly bears in Alaska, right? Did you see any grizzly bears? Oh. Were you hunting in a grizzly bear area? Yeah, the whole state of Alaska is grizzly bears. We've seen grizzly bears five minutes from my house where we live, even here in Anchorage. There's there's bears on grizzly bears on base where my wife works. Uh, it's definitely a, a bear wear area. I carry bear spray and a ten millimeter. Okay. All times, even when I'm hiking or walking around. Okay, so it's just part of the game up there, right? Is to be prepared. Part of the game. Yep. It's okay. Part All of right. life. All right, so when you drove that eight hours, uh, were you staying in a hotel or were you sleeping out of your truck? Uh, we, I did a truck hunt, so I was camping on the road, and I had a tent up behind my truck where I would, would sleep at night. Okay, so w- is there any fear of bear? Co- I mean, did you have to take bear precautions while you're sleeping on the side of the road? Yep, yep, keep a, keep a clean camp, you know, keep all the food and all your trash inside your, your vehicle at night. You know, if you spill grease, you know, clean it up real good or, or move camp because there's definitely bears in the area. There's a lot more wolves uh, up in that 40-mile uh, hunt than there are bear. Uh, I think one guy shot that I was talking to up there on the road, he shot a 120-pound black wolf right in camp the season before. He just showed me pictures. So yeah, they definitely come through. It, it's real wild up here, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, when you, when you start getting north of Fairbanks, 
right, and you're out in the middle of the, nowhere, are there any towns? I mean, do you have to take additional gas with you as well? Yeah, so uh, I, I brought um, five, ten extra gallons. This year I'm going to do an archery hunt on the haul road, and I'll be bringing 20 gallons of gas with me on that hunt. Okay, 20 gallons of gas. So, um, man, I feel like even when even when I was out in Nebraska – I feel like I went through a like two whole tanks of gas throughout that hunt, just driving around. So you have yep. to you have to plant. So you leave Fairbanks with a full tank, and then do you stop? I mean, what what is gas prices up there? Are they expensive? In in some of the remote villages, it can get up to seven eight dollars a gallon. <sighs> Dang, bro. Yep. Okay. They they drill it and they mine it up here, but then they pipe it all the way down to Louisiana, and then it's got to get all the way back up. <laughs> that just doesn't make sense. <laughs> but hey, I'm no gas, you know, I'm no petroleum tycoon. All right, so um, the last couple days of this of this uh, of this hunt for caribou, you strike out. You have any more encounters, or was it just a shit show with the other locals beating you to the punch every day? Yep, yep. Shit show, road, caribou hunt. Welcome to Alaska. This is not what's on outdoor television. Got ya. Okay. Did you see any big bulls? No. No. Okay. So uh, the big bulls are probably a long way from the road. Is that is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you. I went in with the expectation it was going to be a meat hunt. And uh, you know, there's always a, a possibility of a big bull there. And the ones that I saw were, were nice. You know? When I for a trophy hunt, I'm not looking for the next world record. I'm looking for a nice represent representation of the species. Got you. And uh, I didn't see any any caribou on that particular hunt that met that classification. All right. Did you uh, you learn anything from that hunt? Not only about you know how to hunt caribou, but the the logistics involved. I mean, did you have to struggle? Is there some? Is there things that you would have brought with you? I would have planned to get there ahead of season and do what we're going to do this fall. I would have got way away from that road. I would have got in a couple days early. I would have had a plan to go up and scout. Although caribou move hundreds of miles, you know, they're, they're not like a whitetail that's got a core area and a range around it. They're nomadic creatures. They cover hundreds of thousands of, of miles every year. So where they are one weekend when I go up and scout means there'll be a completely different area in the next. So my scouting is more, finding terrain features and funnels kind of like a rut hunt where these caribou if they get pushed or they're moving through you can be there when they come through gotcha so you guys are going to pack out pack in a long ways um you're, you're going to pack in and then you're going to try to pack that meat out all on your back yep yep oh, we're, we have a whole week and uh, we're going to try to pack out two bull caribous to the truck if we can if we can pull it off Wow, that's crazy, dude. Well, good luck with that. All right, so after you strike out in Caribou, you make your way back to Anchorage. And how, how that that Caribou hunt was in August, you said? Yep, August. All right, quick question. Were the mosquitoes bad? They or, weren't that bad up there. They're, they're uh, on the haul road. I heard that they're uh, terrible. But on this particular hunt, we were I was hunting up in the mountains, so it wasn't really... Uh, the bottoms or lowlands or the tundra. Got you. So uh, I was pretty fortunate that there weren't the mosquitoes. Really weren't that bad. Okay, because I I heard that Alaska, some the sometimes the bug swarms can be just 
it, it makes a person go crazy because they're so constant all the time. Yeah, there's there's like dime-sized mosquitoes up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's nuts, man. All right, so you get back to Anchorage, and when when was your next hunt scheduled? So Moose opened uh, September 1st. Okay. And, uh, of course, I found a job, so that kind of got in the way of my hunting. And then we also got a new puppy. So uh, he wasn't old enough to go to daycare, so I missed the opening day of, of moose season. But I was able to get out the second day. Okay. And this was an archery tag, correct? Yep. Archery okay. only unit. You had to be uh, certified. It was at the registration hunt. Okay. So they give out X amount of tags for it, and uh, whoever shoots the you know X amount of bulls, they close it by emergency order. Got ya. All right. So how many uh, or how far away was this hunt? It wasn't an eight-hour drive this time, was it? About 25 minutes from my back door. Okay. So 25 uh, minutes. And so did you get out and were you able to scout it all? I mean, was this a was this a rut, a, a bull in rut type hunt? Or was this just glass them, find them, move in on them, break it down for us? So this hunt was an early season pre-rut hunt, and it was more pounding timber. I had done some e-scouting for some bogs and wallows, and I could you can see moose trails on, on Google Earth. So I had a really good idea just looking at what Google Earth was showing me doing my e-scouting, that there was a pretty good uh, population of bulls in this area. Now, again, I was out of venison, so I was planning uh, to get some meat in the freezer. Right. I had never killed a moose. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I had no idea how, how big they were until I got one on the ground, and I found out real quick. Yeah. All right. So walk us through. I mean, you did your, you, you did your scouting, uh, were, was this just an afternoon hunt? Was it a morning hunt? I mean, did you plan to camp out of your truck again, or was this just go in, come back, go in, come back? How many hunts did yeah, you go on doing... before you ran into that moose? Uh, I killed him on my fourth hike in. Okay. So what were you learning every single hunt? Did you, did you have encounters with moose every single hunt? So I saw a bull the first, the, the second day of season before legal shooting light, and I ran into him, essentially. I ran into him before it was legal light. I was planning to pack in um, in the dark in grizzly country. Uh, and that was something to get over, too, because it's dark, and every twig that you snap like, is that grizzly bear going to be coming at me? But I bumped into this small bull, and he saw me, and I saw him at the same time in the dark, and we just looked at each other and had a stare off for about 15, 20 minutes. And just as it was about to get legal light, he figured out, yeah, that's probably a person and turned and and took off yeah all right so that was on that was on one of the first couple hikes in uh what what did you learn in that short period of time i had to go in a lot further than i really wanted to if i wanted to get a moose okay so a lot of guys up here when i was talking to locals they they were saying you know you got to hunt close to the road moose are big you got to stay within a quarter mile half mile do you really want to pack a moose out a mile, three quarters of a mile, and I would come back to them. Well, I, I want to shoot a moose. Yeah, and uh, it worked out. I got one, but I, I suffered for it later. Yeah. All right. So uh, on this on this fourth hunt, like break it down from the moment that you left the truck. I mean, did 
did you on this fourth this fourth hike in did you say to yourself hey man i i i gotta get up earlier and i gotta go deeper i gotta be back there before uh before light break that down for us so the first three hunts i did were morning hunts and i spent the whole day on the mountain and the fourth day i went in i it was an afternoon hunt it was a friday night after work and i'm like all right i've been seeing the most moose sign at this bog, I'm going to push it even further and try to catch them. So what these moose were doing is there were draws coming down off the mountain. And the draws were free of trees and they were grassy. So these moose were bedding in this grass and eating from these draws, feeding down to the bogs. So I went in further than I thought any other guy would go. And uh, I bumped into a bull moose at about 30 yards. I, uh, uh, it was uh, the most intense moment uh, of my hunting career ever. He thought I was another bull. So uh, I met him in this, the farthest draw I was going to go into. I'm like, I'm not going any further. It's going to be torture getting him. And I ended up going further than I wanted to. Uh, the bull thought I was another bull. He started grunting, walking towards me, waving his paddles back and forth, ready to fight. And I got a bow and a 10 millimeter. <laughs> I'm looking at my bow and I'm looking at my gun. I'm like, oh man, this bull is going to stop me. I was lucky that he was between me and a pretty big spruce tree. And uh, I was able to sidestep, grab my bull, draw. And as he came around the tree, grunting, snorting, all fired up for a fight, I put an arrow through him at 15, 20 yards, quartering to me. And how far away were you from your truck at that point? I was 1.7 miles. 1.7 miles. So what was the hike in like? I mean, is it timber? It was, was there a trail? Was it easy or was it like just jumping over deadfall the whole time? So it, it's really swampy. So the, so there's kind of like a plateau. So there's a river down in the valley and there's a plateau where these mooses were bedding. And then there was those draws coming down off the top. So I probably went through a quarter mile of bog. Uh, another mile of timber and then a, another quarter mile up into these draws. Okay. So the, the packs, the packs in were, were rough, but, uh, the packs out were even, even worse. Yeah. So you shot this thing. What was the first thing that popped into your head when you, you know, you let the arrow go on this moose? Did that really just happen? Yeah. I mean, I, it was, it was, you know, I have a dream as a little kid watching all these, you know, these shows and the people do it. But to actually walk in, and it wasn't even spot and stock. I was just kind of pounded timber, still hunting through some of these good areas. And to have a bull of this caliber just come out of the trees and come at me ready to fight. I mean, it, it's probably the, the pinnacle of my hunting career. Wow. And how it all worked out was just, it was just incredible. Yeah. That's crazy, man. All right. So, you you can't really believe what happens but how long after you pull the trigger does reality set in like okay now i have to follow blood now i have to quarter this thing up and now i have to pack out over 500 pounds a meter however big a moose is yeah so uh the first 20 yards i had no blood and uh he was quartering too and i hit him hit him a little high so a moose is even bigger than a white tail it takes a while to fill up so I went 40 yards and I don't have blood. I'm like, oh, did my arrow penetrate? Did I hit him in the shoulder blade? What's going on? How, you know, how, how can I not find a, a moose laying there? And uh, he'd kind of gone over a knoll and he only went 
50 yards and tipped over. He was dead in second. So I, I caught him quartering two, double long. He was dead in second. And I walked up to this moose, and he just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm like, oh, my God, how am I going to get this thing off a mountain? Yeah. You're damn near two miles back, right? Two miles. Yeah. All right. So you walk up on him. And you're like, well, now I got to start doing some work. I mean, what what was the pack out like? Walk us through all the steps. I mean, did, were you freaking out about grizzlies? Um, it you know, it's an afternoon hunt, so it's going to be getting dark. Yeah, the first thing I did was uh, send my wife a message on the on the Garmin on the inReach and say, "Giant bull down, here we go." <laughs> and I uh, started butchering. So yeah. I got one quarter off that night and i got the, the hide field off one side so we could cool uh and i i butchered solo for six hours in grizzly country and every every two minutes i'm looking around looking for bears my ford my uh, 10 mil was uh was was never left my my hip the whole time yeah and i was able to get uh get one load out which was both uh back straps and the inner loins that first night okay did you end up and, gu- uh, did you that- have to take his guts out and everything no, I did. I did the gutless method, and uh, that that is something that I would highly recommend. That if you've never learned how to do that, to definitely uh, to look out some videos to how to do it, because gutting and dragging a moose is is not going to happen. Yeah, you're going to have to butcher him where he lies. If that means it's a steep hill, if that means it's on the riverbank, if that means it's in the water, you got to find a way to get him to shore, because uh, there's no moving moving a moose. Yeah, right. Okay, so so then uh, you start to quarter him. And just out of curiosity, how much does a quarter weigh? Did you take all the meat out? Did you debone him first? Yeah, we deboned it. So uh, the whole the whole pack out took three days. So the first day I got the inner loins, the back straps out, and got one quarter off. And that was six hours of butchering. The next day, I actually called one of my employees who had offered, hey, if you get a bull moose, I'll come out and help you. And I don't think he thought I would get one. So I sent him a picture like, bowl down are you for real and he goes yeah let's go do it well he didn't know it was two miles back in <laughs> <laughs> he kind of changed his mind well, we, yeah I, well he actually ended up getting uh he was putting off a knee surgery and uh he went and did this one day with me and he's like ian you just uh you sealed my deal i'm getting the surgery i'm gonna miss some time from work because it was such a brutal path oh my lord <laughs> So, so it so, took yeah. you three days to get all the meat out of there. Yeah. So the first day was six hours and, and the back straps and their loin. And I got one quarter off the second day, me and him butchered for eight hours, got all the quarters off, got all the rib meat off, got it deboned, got it in game bag. And then that, so I'm lucky I shot him on a Friday night. That Sunday we called in more help and the four of us went in well armed because for three days in grizzly country the fact that we never ran into a bear is almost unheard of i was convinced that third day i was going to lose the cape and i was going to lose the skulls and i was going to lose a quarter yeah because uh, we we thought for sure there'd be a grizzly on it and luckily the cohos and the salmon were running that time and most of the bears were real down low on the creek eating fish and they weren't up up in the mountains so that worked out really good for me wow so how many total trips so I did six trips and 18.9 miles of packing. And what was the, what do you think the heaviest amount on your back was? 
so the, I packed out the cape and head about 100 yards, and that was had to have been over 100 pounds, 120 pounds on my back. It felt like I was carrying myself every step I took after three days of packing, and I ended up ended up cutting off the cape and saying, I'm not going to do a shoulder mount on this thing because there's no way I can get this out. I was at that point where every muscle in my leg was on fire, and I'm like, I'm going to get stuck on this mountain. Oh, my Lord. This is nuts. So it's not only – not only a commitment to you having to move this far away from your family, but just getting the game out of wherever it is you shoot it is a commitment as well. I mean, you owe it to the animal, right? Exactly. But I mean, what I mean by that is after this three day pack out of this moose, is this, are you going to change your, your strategy at all? Or is this just, meant to be this is how you're going to do it from now on the reality of alaska is your pack outs are going to be long you can get it lucky and shoot one 30 40 yards off the road every now and then but if you want to consistently kill big game you're going to have to go deeper and you're going to have to go farther than other guys even up here yeah it's the same as as, as the midwest and anywhere because there's still a lot of hunters up here at least in the areas that i've hunted so far i mean i'm not flying in to get away from guys i'm doing road hunts i'm doing you know, metro-ish area hunts where I'm close to the biggest city in Alaska, and you got to go deeper and got to go further if you want to be successful. Right. So how many pounds of meat did you get off of this bull? So we ended up with 200 pounds of ground, 200-ish pounds of steak, and then the back straps and interloin. And so around 475 to 500 pounds. Man. And then did you give any of that we'll away to the guys who helped you pack it out? Yeah, yeah, I gave uh, one quarter away to my buddy who called in the reinforcements because there's no way I would have got this moose out all by myself. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Man, that's intense. And this is, for all intents and purposes, a 25-minute drive from your house. You know, there's going to be times where, I, you know, knowing knowing you through this this short conversation that we've had, you're going to, you're the kind of guy who, Hey, I have no problem hiking in X number of miles, you know, whether it's five or something, there's going to be times where that, that pack out that you've done with this bull is going to be easy compared to what, what lies ahead for you. Yeah. If I, uh, if I draw a doll sheep tag, I'm going to be up at, uh, up at elevation doing some of these hunts and, uh, mountain hunting is, is a whole different game than just in the moose bogs at, at lower elevation right right Whew. so how big was this bull so i haven't got him officially scored yet uh they're saying he's going to make pope and young easy he ended up being a 56 inch bull they measure him by the spread okay and uh he, he's for this unit it's it's any any bull unit so typically and they they never seem to hit the quota so the quota in this unit last year was four so four total bulls you could shoot and they gave out as many tags as people wanted and uh, i was the first bull that was shot and i did not hear of another bull getting shot in there and i think the reason why is to get to him you had to do what i had to do mm-hmm. you had to go in deep and you had to go pack them out and i don't think a lot of guys wanted to do what i did but i got a bull and they did right so, right is that a is there any trail access to get a four-wheeler back there next time or a mule or a horse or anything like that so that that was the other thing in this unit one side of the lake has atv trails 
and you can take an ATV, and that's where all the pressure is. Where I shot my bull was the back side of the lake where there is no vehicles. It's all pack in, pack out, and that the, the sides of the lake are vastly different for moose sign, moose activity, and this bull was living his life two miles off the road, and I don't think he ever would even think of being hunted where I, where I ran into him. Got him. What elevation were you at? So I hiked in from the river and the lake up about five, 600 feet. So I think I was just around 1700 feet of elevation. Okay. All right. And it just keeps getting, I mean, it just goes up from there, right? I mean, yeah. Anchorage is pretty much sea level. Yeah. Anchorage is sea level, but we're surrounded by the the Chugach mountain range and the Chugach national park. So the views from Anchorage is just all mountain peaks. Yeah. Okay. Cool, man. All right. So you've accomplished i mean you check the box for moose right so is moose is moose something that's happening next year as well or or now are you putting you shifting and going somewhere else before you come back to moose yeah one moose between two people is, is going to last us about three years and i've given away so much of it already i bring moose care packages back home when i come home for the holidays and friends and family get moose because i don't i don't know if we're ever going to finish eating this thing and I have more hunts planned, so uh, we gotta we gotta get rid of it. But it, it's so good. Like it, it, I've had elk, I've had mule deer, I've had, had antelope. Moose is by far the best big game I've ever eaten. Man, you're starting to get me fired up, dude. Like when are you coming, Dan? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> dude, Ala- let's go. I need someone to help me pack. <laughs> is that how it works? You help me pack, I'll invite you up. Yeah, look, I, I'll pack. I, I like hunting Dan. And yeah. I'm here. I might as well do it. That's a fact, this is man. An opportunity that a lot of guys don't get. Right. Right. So yeah. I have to think of it that way too. Like, there's how many hunters are out there? Like, I need to go up and hunt in Alaska, and life gets in the way, or job gets in the way, or work gets in the way. I don't have that excuse. I live here. I got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact, man. All right. So, what's next then? I mean, what what is what are you preparing for for this upcoming? upcoming fall so coronavirus hit and we had a uh, plan to go to japan since we're right here and we plans to go to hawaii and we had a whole bunch of time off for weddings and all those got canceled and that that was bad from uh, a friends and family perspective but from a hunting perspective it actually worked out rather well for me outside my spring bear hunt that got canceled but I, i'm a deer hunter at heart and bears are kind of just a a spring opportunity. So I went from one week off of vacation to three weeks for this fall. Okay. So uh, this is, this is going to be a pretty epic fall. And my fall last year was pretty epic too. We haven't even talked about my whitetail I shot back in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, I were gonna, I'm going to do a, uh, a week long 40 mile hunt with my cousin that we talked about where I'm going to get in deep. And we're going to get away from the UTVs. And we're going to do four days in the backcountry, sleeping out tents and packing food and, and try to pack out two big bulls. So that'll be my velvet bull uh, rifle hunt. And then I have two weeks planned in September on the Hall Road spot and stock archery caribou. Okay. So two caribou so hunts. 2021. Yep. Two caribou. This year, I, when, before we moved up here, I said, if I got a moose and a caribou, I'd be happy. And I hit it right out of the park on my fourth hunt for moose. So now it's. Let's get it. Let's get a big bull. Okay. All right. So then when do you start planning some of these other hunts? 
right? It's like mountain goat and doll sheep. 2021. Are, are those, are those <laughs> but, draw hunts? Yeah. So I can, as a resident, I'll have a, a, a general season ram tag, but there's some certain units that historically have bigger rams and the, the rams that I like to hunt, um, where I can get access to a better unit and bigger bolt, uh, rams. So that's what I'm going to do for at least, at least doll sheep. My wife is still on the fence if she wants her to do a doll sheep hunt or not, because people die on doll sheep. Uh, you know, falling off a mountain is a real possibility with that. So she's she's like, do you really need a doll sheep? But I'm here, and I, I'm thinking I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you don't do it soon, it just keeps taking the back burner. How old are you right now? 30. You're 30. Oh, shit, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm only, I'm only nine years older than you, but, I mean, 30 years old, I guess you got time to – to get that hunt in but you know you keep procrastinating on stuff like that where you just you know you keep putting it off and you keep putting it off and the next thing you know you're 40 and you're like well shit i haven't done a i haven't done a doll sheep hunt yet and my my knees are blown out because i've been packing moose out of the of the bogs or whatever so man that's crazy i never thought i never thought in my life i'd I'd ever be up here like if you were going to tell me when I was a freshman in college, that in, in 2020, you're going to be living in Alaska, married, and you're going to kill a 56-inch bull moose, I would have told you, you are out of your mind. That is not going to be my life. Yeah. And uh, it, it's crazy. Yeah. It's just crazy. Well, let me ask you this then. <laughs> Outside of the hunting space, have you been to Denali yet? Have you been to you know the northernmost part of Alaska? Yeah, so that caribou hunt that I'm going to do, I'm driving all the way up to Prudhoe Bay. I'm driving all the way up there first. That's, I'm going to do that, check it off. I'm going to drive all the way up to the oil field there. And I'm going to check out Prudhoe Bay, say I did it, do the whole tourist scene. And then on the way back, I'm going to spend the next 13, 12 days trying to get a, a big pre-rut caribou bull with, in Hardhorn with my bow. Oh, buddy. And Denali is only an hour drive from Anchorage, so we can we can do that a day trip if we wanted to. We hike all around Denali National Park uh, every other weekend. Wow, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on living in Alaska and, I guess, living out somewhat of a dream, man. I, I'm really rooting for you this upcoming fall. And, man, you're going to have to uh, probably make a, be- a spare bedroom because some – some crazy guy with nine fingers might just show up at your door someday. Anytime, Dan. Go do it. (laughs) Well, man, hey, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, stopping in and chatting. Yeah, anytime, man. I'll tell you. I had a great time, and uh, thanks for having me on. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Signed, sealed, delivered. Huge shout-out to you. Thank you very much for making the Nine Finger Chronicles what it is, man. I really appreciate the time that you guys dedicate to the content that I'm putting out. Thank you. Huge shout out to all the partners of the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Vortex Optics, The Average Conservationist, Wasp Broadheads, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, and Ozonic Scent Elimination. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. And, uh, man... Just uh, really a lot of really good companies that uh, I, I work with, and I just wish you guys would go out and, uh, yeah, take a look at them. Uh, 
Okay. I'm starting to fade. It's late. Huge shout out to Ian for hopping on the podcast. I've already thanked you, knuckleheads. Good luck to absolutely everybody out there. Be kind to your neighbor. Treat everybody with respect and do not judge someone. Try not to judge someone before you actually meet them and get to know them and let their actions, you know, ju- let, let their actions allow you to, to see who they are. So if that makes sense, you know, good vibes, send good vibes out. You'll get good vibes back. All right. Enough is enough. Have a good weekend and we'll talk to you next time.